0: hi friends, this is uh, Inside Isla Vista. I'm Dick Flax, your once in a while host for Inside Isla Vista. And as we often have the pleasure, uh, it's Jonathan Aboud, who's my guest. Jonathan is the, of course, the manager of the uh, director of the uh, Isla Vista Community Service District. And he's a member of the City College Board of Trustees and many other hats that he probably has in his closet ready to take out. (laughs) And today, this is a a very fortuitous broadcast because at 6 o'clock tonight, very soon, the Santa Barbara County Redistricting Committee is having its final meeting to decide on a final map for the districts in the county supervisorial county government uh, here in Santa Barbara and this is really important for Isla Vista for reasons that you if you don't know you will know by the time Jonathan and I get into this so welcome Jonathan thank you for having me and i know that you've been uh, engaged with the redistricting process what's the history of Isla Vista in the redistrict in the districting situation in, in this county
1: yes so Isla Vista for over a hundred years, I believe, uh, has been located within the third district of the county Board of Supervisors, so it, it's been the historical district that Isla Vista has been in. However, one thing that changed and will change tonight, you know most likely, we never really know until the vote has been taken, um, is that Isla Vista was moved into the second district. Uh, instead of the third district being we'll get get
0: into the meaning of this as we go forward so I wanted to take us a little bit into that history Um, and the third district I think the population center of the county was down here on the coast uh, for much of the history that you're referring to but gradually uh, population increased north of here into the north into the Santinez Valley into the cities and towns of North County. And those are historically and different for different reasons, much more conservative than, and and much less environmentally foregrounded than the, than the South coast area. So here's the third district. uh, Increasingly, uh, Increasingly uh, including what the Santines Valley uh, was, Lomp- was Lompoc in the third district. I don't remember. All the-
1: no, the parts of the Lompoc Valley were, and then Guadalupe. So, right. Guadalupe, Lompoc Valley, uh, half of Galita, about or maybe a third, Isla Vista, all of Isla Vista, and then yeah, the Santines Valley.
0: After the oil spill in 1969, county government was very engaged in how to regulate the oil industry and prevent further catastrophes. And of course, the oil industry is heavily influential, especially in the North County, and they resisted this regulation. And the third district, here you have two North County districts, fourth and fifth, that are conservative, not, and let's say pro-oil, and the two South County, one and two, strongly the other in the other direction, the third district, the swing district. So Isla Vista, once the people of Isla Vista, the students and others in Isla Vista got the sense of themselves as a kind of potentially block vote. And since environmental consciousness was was always strong within that community. And the swing district of the, uh, number three uh, becomes one that Isla Vista's vote voting power could affect the outcome. And in the past, before you were maybe even born, <laughs> we had some pretty conservative supervisors representing that third district and a big battle for a long time on the part of the Republican Party and, and related groups questioning the student vote altogether, um, trying to dilute it or undermine it or prevent it in some way or other. And in the last number of years, certainly the last maybe 16 years, uh, this district has been represented by um, pro-environmental supervisors right now, Joan Hartman. So it matters to the fate of oil, the oil industry um, and the way Santa Barbara County relates to it. It has always mattered what happens in the third district and what Isla Vista's role in that would be. And I like to say, maybe this is overly dramatic, it matters globally because this county known globally as a center of say resistance to the oil industry agenda, what if it was controlled by the oil industry? The majority of the county board controlled by the oil industry. There are a number of oil industry plans for development uh, that have been stymied by the current county board. And that situation might change. So this is all very consequential. Is this an accurate summary from your point of view?
1: It definitely is. You know, Ivy was always a critical vote in, this third dist- in the old third district.
0: So what happened here?
1: You know, it just the the commission was seemed to be really set on getting IV out of the third. I mean, there was a lot of advocacy from conservative voices to split IV out of the third district. Like a lot of people spoke in the public comment, and it was a lot of derogatory language. I mean, Isla Vista is not a bad place. It's a, it's just as good as anywhere else. Uh, but there was. There was a lot of uh, vitriol directed at, at IV that was completely unnecessary at the commission public comments week after week.
0: Give us a flavor of that.
1: Oh, I don't even want to repeat some of it. I mean, it's just like just, it's just a lot of folks saying things like these students, they don't care about this area. They're just here in and out. I mean, that's just a mild thing to say. It's like they obviously do care about this area if they yeah. if they live here. Um, they say like, oh, people in Isla Vista, they don't have anything in common for all these different reasons. You know, there are all these different traits, they adjectives they give to people here. And I don't want to repeat them, but they would say like the people down there are like this, this and that. And that's nothing like the people up here who are respectable and good. It was not a good way to even make their case, I thought. They, it, it became very personal attacks, ad hominem attacks on the people of Isla Vista rather than on the demographics and you know logic of districts. So it was unfortunate, but it did break through. And so the commission did take Isla Vista out of the 3rd District. And even after many attempts to change that, decision it didn't seem like they were budging on that issue. It, it it was uh you know Guadalupe getting into the fifth fifth district which was something positive that Cause had advocated for they also listened to that as well so they were listening in a way the two different maybe ends where Cause was wanting to create better representation and that was successful but conservative you know voices were really looking to Create less for Isla Vista. And, you know, I will say like the new map is not terrible. Um, (laughs) Goleta can still elect a environmental supervisor because they took our spot in the third district. It's all of the city of Goleta pretty much rather than all of the community of Isla Vista. And we're almost the same size as Goleta even. So I think it's not like now the county board will be not a environmental majority. However, Isla Vista's voice will be very diminished. And I said this at the commission, I tried to explain this to them where we're already a low turnout area. I mean, we do turn out high, but that's not something that's like naturally happens. It needs to be built towards and there needs to be registration drives and get out the vote. We are a low turnout area and by putting us in a midterm year and in a, you know, in a position like supervisor where you can decide the vote in the primary with the majority iv can usually only turn out a few thousand one to two to three thousand during the primary midterm year so we won't be a major factor comparatively we might still be a factor but we won't see the same kind of outreach to voters here by candidates because it's not a critical vote like it used
0: to be I think you and I really agree with this with each other on this that and I wrote something to the commission, hoping that they'd pay attention to this point, which is quite apart from whatever the policy meanings are of, of the third district, you know, whether is in the third district or not. It was a big, to me, and a significant incentive, right, in, in right. The voting behavior of, of students and, and, and other Isla Vista residents that they would make a difference. Their vote actually was really important for the future of the you know, of the community uh, because of the swing nature of the district. And I didn't really emphasize what you also said, which is the uh, third district votes occur, occur during presidential election time, which maximizes turnout in that way as well so this that kind of incentive so you're 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 feeling that 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 kind of incentive won't be there now that because the second district is already their values are much more likely to be similar to what isla vista already would support is that the yeah point? potentially or not i mean i
1: think the current supervisor greg hart is 100 percent aligned with our values lived here was on the Community Council here, um, but in the future, you never know who's going to be running for this seat, and they they might not have the same values as i v and they may, but either way, who, the candidate's running i don 't see them investing effort in even being in Isla Vista because it won 't be a a critical part of the voter turnout in the primary June election in a in a midterm. So, you know, let's say eight years down the line, 2030 or 2028, you know, whenever a new supervisor is being elected, we won't see the massive campaign effort that campaigns like Supervisor John Hartman and Doreen Farr had put out in Isla Vista, because for them, that was a major part of their electorate and, ab- and ability to win. Whereas even if there's two competing supervisors and one is more aligned with Isla Vista it's not that many votes that will happen in the June primary for a campaign to make that investment. I'll give you an example in 2018 for measure R, which was the tax to fund the Isla Vista community services district. That's how I get paid (laughs) Uh, full disclosure, but uh, that tax, which funds all our services, everything we do, lighting, public safety, community center, it's, it was a major tax. We needed that tax for the community have our own revenue. It had 88% of the vote or 85% of the vote in support of it. But the vote was only almost 2000 people. And that was in a year where we it was an Isla Vista specific issue on the midterm primary ballot. There was pretty much nothing else on the ballot for us that year. Besides, I mean, the sheriff's election as well, but it wasn't well publicized. Um, but this was, you know, we put in 30 40 maybe even 45,000 into that campaign, which is more than campaigns would usually even spend on IV alone. But we spent all that funds to help reach voters and turn out the vote. And we still only got to 2,000 people, which we felt was, you know, we won, which was great. But if you look, if you just translate that to 2022, I, you know, you're going to assume that there's going to be only 2,000 people voting in the June primary here as a campaign who's doing that math and looking at where they can get the votes to be successful you know we spent 45,000 for those 2,000 votes to turn out that's I don't I don't I just don't see campaigns doing that and then Isla Vista just won't be as big of a part of the electorate which means we won't be as big of a part in the decision.
0: And which, and that if, I mean, I can see exactly. I'm glad you laid all that out because it's indicates what your day-to-day experience has been with this all important matter of voter turnout, especially with young people. I mean, I've always thought it's not, it's very understandable that young people just by their youth and lack of uh, prior experience, don't know much about the local electoral scene wherever they may live. And um, and the beauty of the previous arrangement was that you could probably persuade pretty frequently uh, people, kids in Isla Vista, if I can use the word kids, um, that this this mattered, so please do pay attention. Uh, and it matters not only because you want to preserve this environment, but the what happens in Santa Barbara environmentally ramifies in different ways around beyond our borders as a, as a as a community. okay, but being always someone looking for hopeful possibilities, isn't there the possibility Jonathan Abood, my guest today here on inside Alavista? Vista, isn't it a possibility that Candidates will emerge from Isla Vista, people in the community really wanting to see them uh, get elected, and that that could become a different kind of factor in the second district uh, in a way that you don't see now. Uh, Just something to think about. Yeah,
1: I think so. I think so. And not just that, where maybe people, Isla Vista has a lot of elected officials now, especially with district elections. Right. uh coming there'll be a galita school board rep from ivy santa barbara school board rep from IV. i'm the city college rep from IV. so there'll be there'll be more and more of those people and roles so yeah as they develop and get get established and as they're elected even i they could be potential there's a bench from isla vista
0: So one thing you alluded to before I wanted to call people's attention to, even though it's not exactly an Elavista issue, is the fact that a new district four has been created in, um, or is it five? Five. Have been created in the north, which is a predominantly uh, Latino district. And this is a big achievement, as you said, causes, had this as a important goal. And the Voting Rights Act in the United States, I guess, is a foundation for compelling the commission to consider creating such a district. The Voting Rights Act really provides that minority, underrepresented minorities, where a where their power can be maximized through districting, that should be done, and that's what was done, uh, and uh, that, of course, does further uh, potentially affect the partisan or ideological makeup of the county board as we go forward. Um, And, uh, you know, it's not, nothing's automatic as you were indicating about Isla Vista. There has to be a lot of work in voter education, voter mobilization, any of these um, places, but now there's a a real prize at the end um, in terms of uh, outcome that will highly motivate i think voting among people in the north county who have been both underrepresented in elected officials but underrepresented at the ballot box as well um so that's as a longtime resident here i would say a big big victory so so right. what's your i mean the the um, the commission's going to be meeting less than an hour from our conversation uh right now and is there any chance this final map will be will will be changed during that process do you have any inkling about that
1: you know i know that i know there might be some small edits potentially but from what i hear they are hoping to approve the map you know as is but i and i also know that there's some people still advocating for different changes um, in santa maria mainly is what i've heard about uh, maybe more conservative voices in santa maria trying to change the outcome of the new fifth district which is a great it's a great accomplishment i mean it is very important that that happened and uh now you know, there might be folks who might want to undo that i don't think it'll happen though and i think um
0: the commission voted unanimously for this map the other
1: yes day. Yes, yeah, to make it their true. preferred. So I don't see them reversing and making major changes
0: now. No, it would derail the whole process, I would think. If it if it was to consequentially affect you know these things we've been talking about. All right. Well, this is a very newsworthy thing for you and me to be talk discussing. Uh the other um topic we might touch on that's also highly newsworthy is of course the uh, which we've, we we've have discussed in earlier programs and which everyone else is talking about too, is the UCSB housing situation. Uh, and the most dramatic uh, expression of that is the Munger, the Munger Hall dormzilla monstrous thing. I don't know if you have any new things you want to say about that. Um, uh, I would say, I want to mention to people that um, Jonathan and I are going to uh, lead a discussion at the SBCAN Roundtable on noon on Friday, mostly about the UCSB housing situation. But I guess we'll touch on redistricting as well. And there'll be other voices probably there about that, that we can call upon. And <clears throat> So any any thoughts about that right now? What do you think is happening with respect to the Munger project itself?
1: Yeah, I, you know i I don't know exactly what the project status necessarily is, but I think what I've kept saying is that this project is just really indicative of a failure to invest in student housing um, by the UC and by the state, specifically not funding the UC to make this happen to over the last many years. I mean, the state has constantly asked for growth from the campuses and has not, you know, has not mitigated that growth. They're not being a good neighbor, if you want to think of it that way, to all the communities that a UC is in, ours included, I think ours may be one of the most impacts from the growth. Um, But I think the state needs to take its responsibility and it was but i you know like i said also it was not a smart idea for uh, us to go us being UCSB i'm not in that decision though but it wasn't a smart idea for UCSB to go all in on focusing on munger hall as the solution to all housing issues in our in our region that wasn't also wise but we do need that level of housing production so we do need 4000 beds built uh 4500 beds built for students and for workforce uh because it does take it does put a insurmountable pressure on the housing market for everyone else uh to not have that but munger hall as is designed is not obviously does not have public support does not ha- has a lot of negatives um that it has a lot of negatives that people will not, will not be conducive to academic success. I mean, the windows are the main thing that people talk about, but there, there have been, uh, other issues noted such as, um, the, the amount of people in one spot and considerations for how that connects to Isle of Assist. Something that was raised recently is how do we account for, uh, this many people in one location and their in entrance and exit out of that area exactly. and into, into Isla Vista, for example, uh, there might they, a lot of them might be coming into IV uh, for eating or for socializing. And how do we ha- handle that flow? Well, um, so the, there are-
0: the emergency aspect is, is, is really could be a killer. My understanding is the county fire marshal is very upset with this design for that reason. And uh, maybe communicating uh, a very negative view of the possibility of having Munger Hall under county fire regulation. You know, if the university administration wants to uh, wants to resist the fire marshal on the grounds that the university is autonomous and doesn't doesn't isn't subject to that regulation, I guess that could be a path they will follow. But one could equally expect that um, if the fire marshal is raising very fundamental questions, that could be a decision point about moving in a different direction. But yes. the other good news about that is that the Chancellor, the, the Academic Senate has proposed creating a outside review body, a committee to, uh, to, to examine the whole thing and the Chancellor, Apparently readily agreed to setting that up, and this indicates to me that this is not uh, moving forward that quickly. Uh, the project, because uh, if he's agreeing to that review, it means we're, we're not going to the see it going to the regions or the or the coastal commission, and those are two other uh, big big places where the the project could be. Um, has to be evaluated let's put it that way but the other point that you're making about the legislature so i understand there's is or will be a bill in the legislature provide a legislature providing for a pretty massive revolving fund for college dormitories this is relevant to you as a city college trustee as well as a as in this conversation, a $5 billion annual revolving fund. And uh, I'll say to you, you can check this out with Monique Limon's office. Uh, they, they're informed about this. I don't think she's on the housing. No, but she is the chair of the um, UC uh, legislative task force and, or whatever they call it, round table. And I think that she's probably very much involved in creating this legislation. So the uh, at least she and other legislators acknowledge the point you made at the outset of, here about the, the failure of the legislature to fund the the enrollment increases that they have forced. Uh, and, right, and in, especially with respect, it's not only housing. It's it's. Uh, it's uh, actually classroom shortfalls classroom shortfalls staffing shortfalls uh that um, that haven't been funded to any degree necessary uh this this is maybe this crisis is a wake up call that will actually wake people up um in, in the way that you're uh you're suggesting um so uh, uh i i think there is I hate to use the term light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> that dates from the Vietnam War. Uh, the war was gonna end pretty soon. There's light at the end of the tunnel. So maybe there's light at the end of this tunnel uh, or light at, light at the end of the Munger Hall abyss uh, that, that something different, some different direction will come uh, from the current uproar. The uproar I think has been very healthy and very useful uh, and it puts this issue very much front and center. And this issue is part of the much larger issue of the, you know, the way the whole country is society has failed to support the uh, infrastructure needed to carry on life. That's how I would put it. Um, and and uh, maybe we're going to turn a corner now, right now, in the next couple of weeks, maybe Congress will pass its infrastructure, the Biden program, which contains housing supports and maybe even contains things that colleges can make use of in terms of uh, developments along the lines we're talking about. This is Dick Flax talking in my optimistic uh, guise uh, and uh, very newsworthy conversation, Jonathan, uh, and we'll be seeing you later in the week. Uh, this has been Inside Isla Vista. And thank you for being a listener here.
1: Thank you.